You're listening to Law and Gospel Email Friday on this March the 4th in the year of our Lord 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we've got some emails that we would like to share with you. I am sure you've heard about the situation uh, in a country that is at war right now, and that, of course, is the international war that's going on in Ukraine. Well, it's not really Ukraine, but it's a war that is done by the Russians, and they are having an effect not only on Ukraine, but particularly in the countries surrounding it. You may realize that we work with Concordia Mission Society, and we sent $200,000 uh, to the Novosibirsk Seminary. And we got a letter from the Siberian Lutheran Mission Society that supports that. And it says the following. The invasion of the Russian army into Ukraine has created an international crisis. As economic sanctions are put into place by the USA and other Western countries or by Russia in retaliation to Western sanctions, we are uncertain if or when international banking between us will be blocked. And so they have some advice for us because, yes, we did send them 200000 plus but more money continues to come in for the Novosibir Seminary, and so the board will decide that we will be sending that money also uh, to them, and that will occur. We do have an American address to send that money to, and they'll take care of it as things progress in that area in light of the fact of the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. But they ask us, please pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and Siberia. And then there is no doubt opposition to the aggression by President Putin against what they refer to as the peaceful nation of Ukraine. The following collect, and that's a short prayer, will be prayed at all liturgies of SELC congregations. And so here's the prayer that's going to be prayed in the Siberian Lutheran Mission Society congregations. O God, Lord and Judge of all the world, hear us in deep sorrow crying out to you. Stop all violence and destruction. Heal the wounds and protect the innocent and bring to repentance those who came with the war into a foreign land. For the sake of Jesus Christ, amen. So we'll be staying on top of that. And so we do thank you for your support of the Siberian Lutheran Mission through Concordia Mission Society and also through the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. All right, 
Next email. Wes Reimnitz often tells us how often we end up hearing about people in Illinois, that's where he's from, that are listening to law and gospel. And when they hear law and gospel, they tell Wes about it. And it's always a surprise to him how many people he was unaware of that are making that call. At any rate, this is an email that we received. And I don't know the person personally, but here's what he writes. Hello, Pastor Baker, and then he gives his name. You may remember me from the Overland Post Office. I always enjoyed seeing you because I have been so blessed by your gracious teachings of law and gospel. Now, the Overland Post Office is near where we live, and so a lot of times people would order books. We've got about three dozen books that we put out, that we publish, uh, and there are various books on theology and also on law and gospel. And then we would put the book together, uh, put it in an envelope, take it to the post office, and mail it there. Well, I was unaware that there was an individual who understood that I taught law and gospel on the radio, and he says he always enjoyed seeing me each time I came to the Overland office to mail. Then he goes on. I think it was you that gave an illustration many years ago that had described a person who had fallen into a deep pit and couldn't get out. You gave a description of different faiths and denomination solutions to helping the person out of the pit. You explained that in Christianity, the situation was this. The person in the pit was much worse off than the other faiths believed. The person could not climb out or be helped out because he was dead. It took Jesus to carry the dead body out of the pit and breathe the breath of life into that person. If you can tell me where I can find this perfectly wonderful explanation of the gospel, I would be so grateful to you. Thank you, Pastor Tom, for your faithful service. God bless. Now, this happened a number of years ago, and I'm not particularly clear as to which program I talked about this. So I thought what I would do is retrace my memory. And I have another explanation that I know I had given elsewhere, and maybe on the radio also, that's very close to this. And I, I find it uh, helpful also. So first of all, as Wes Reimnitz says, we just don't imagine how many people are listening to KFUO and particularly law and gospel. Well, here's the illustration I like to use. A man is on a boat and it begins to sink in a big storm. 
and he jumps out of the boat. He's aiming for a smaller boat below, but he hits his head on the smaller boat, and guess what? He goes unconscious and falls into the water. Now, it really doesn't matter how many life preservers are thrown down to him because none of them are going to help him since he's unconscious and possibly dead. And so rather than a life preserver that the church throws down, Jesus came down and takes the person out of the water, puts him on a safe boat, and brings him back to life. I like that illustration because it shows that there are those congregations that think they can do something to help save someone by some kind of work that they do. A very popular notion is, of course, the idea that you can invite Christ into your heart. Well, you cannot invite Christ into your heart because you're an unbeliever. Why would an unbeliever want to invite Christ into his heart? He doesn't believe in Jesus. Very important point. So, I have another illustration that's close to that. There is a location where we would go on a cabin trip. It was called Point Pelee. It's the southernmost part of Canada, equal to the top of California, so to speak. And it's a beach resort. And my parents would rent a cabin there for about a week or two. And we would go. And it was really interesting because there were two lakes that kind of joined. That's why they called it Point Pelee. And you could go out on the point and you'd have to walk out about an eighth of a mile, and the sand got narrower and narrower until there was no more sand. And you could put your left foot in the lake on the left side and your right foot in the lake on the right side. And guess what? The left side was cold. The right side was warm. Now, they kind of encourage people not to swim at the end of that point, Peely, because the waves and the undercurrent was somewhat dangerous. It wasn't at all unusual to find out that someone had drowned. So I use this illustration to make the point again. Uh, a man is swimming at that point, and he begins to drown. Another man sees that, and that's Jesus, and he runs into the water to save the man from drowning. The man may be even unconscious, and Jesus brings him back to the sand, but in the process, he himself gets swept under, and he dies in the water. So you've got Jesus dying in the water in the process of picking up the man who is drowning. Now, what happens? Three days later, 
Jesus comes walking out of the water. Now, that obviously is referring to his resurrection. And that, again, is a, obviously a made-up story, but it makes the point that Jesus is the one who saves. And there are many, many ways in which people think they can save themselves. The most popular way, which is taught by every other religion in the world, except for Christianity, is, yes, by your works. Take a look at any other religion. They'll have a set of works. Maybe you have to pray so many times a day. Maybe you have to fast a lot. Maybe you have to give offerings. They have a whole set of rules. And if you do that, and you're good enough to do that, then they say, God will be pleased with you. He may then begin to love you, and he may even go so far as to save you. You see, in the Muslim faith, there is no assurance of salvation. Unlike Christianity, there is an assurance. Yesterday, we were talking about a priest who did hundreds of baptisms, and he would do the formula, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, for some reason, the Roman Catholic Church has said that that formula is wrong. It should be, I baptize you. Well, in a sense, I don't know where they really come up with that, because both the Lutherans and the Roman Catholics do believe that it is Jesus who is really the one doing the baptism, and that the pastor is simply the voice and hands of Jesus applying the water with the formula into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Does it really matter whether the pastor says, I baptize you as a representative of the church and doing the will of God, or we baptize you as the church's confession that that's how little children are also brought into the kingdom of God? I don't think it's a big difference. In fact, you can't find a Bible verse where it says that the formula is, I baptize you. No, when Jesus talks about the baptism in Matthew 28, he indicates that we should baptize the nations into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The word I doesn't appear there. So whether you use I or we, I don't think it matters much. The fact of the matter is, it still is understood as Jesus doing it. It's like when the forgiveness of sins is given. At the beginning of the service, you make a confession. I, a poor, miserable sinner, deserve nothing but temporal and eternal punishment, but I am heartily sorry for these sins, sincerely repent of them. 
And the pastor says, upon this, your confession. So the pastor can say that without having to realize which confessions are appropriate. There may be somebody who's just pretending to confess their sins. They don't really believe in Jesus, but they're there at the church for other reasons. But upon this your confession, that's between you and God as to whether or not you are sincerely sad about doing these sins against Jesus. And then he says, and in the stead, now that means not instead of Jesus, but in the place of Jesus. And by his authority, I therefore forgive you all your sins. Would it be wrong to say that we forgive you all your sins? No, because that promise of the forgiveness of sins is given to the church. In fact, as we pointed out, there is a short form for emergency baptism. This had occurred with one of the members of my congregation who phoned me, and the baby had been born, but it was near death, and they weren't sure they could get it to the other hospital for help because the hospital they were at wasn't equipped to deal with that particular ailment. So they were going to helicopter the infant over to the proper hospital. I indicated to him to go ahead and baptize uh, his daughter, it was a daughter, before they helicopter, and that's what he did. We did not rebaptize her after. She lived through the situation. She's a young woman right now. And so God did give her a valid baptism through her father. So what pronoun you use, I or we, it's best to use I if you're the pastor, not because it's absolutely necessary, but it shows that you're doing this according to Christ's command and in his stead, that is, in his place. In fact, not only can baptism not be done apart from Jesus, imagine the Lord's Supper being done apart from Jesus. What would that mean? It means you would not be receiving his true body and his true blood in, with, and under the bread and the wine. But he's very clear. Take, eat, this is my body. He doesn't say it represents. Take, drink, this is my blood. So what we have here is a beautiful situation in which Jesus is really at the head of all of this. He is the head of the church, and therefore, when the gift of the forgiveness is given, the Holy Spirit has created faith in a believer to believe and have the assurance that their sins are forgiven, even though there is no real evidence that your sin has been forgiven. What do I mean by that? Because one would think that if your sin is forgiven, which means you are not held accountable for it, 
then there wouldn't be any negative consequences to the sin, and you would no longer sin. But the fact of the matter is there is a distinction between what happens here in the world. There is no forgiveness in the world. That is to say, if I got arrested for going over the speed limit and the judge is a member of my congregation and I say to him, well, I'm sorry, would you please forgive me? Is he able to forgive me? Well, the answer is yes, he can forgive me in the name of Jesus and then he can fine me $100 because the temporal consequences of sin are not forgiven. We live with those consequences. It's kind of like the laws of gravity. I've used this before. Somebody may think that they have great faith, that they can jump out of a window from a four-story, land on their feet, and not be hurt. Doesn't matter what their faith is, gravity is going to take over and they're going to have great pain. So I've often thought about people who jump off of bridges into water, and I just didn't understand how you die from jumping into water. But of course, the water I would jump into was a swimming pool that normally isn't much more than maybe. 20 feet high off the diving board. But jumping off a bridge, when you hit the water below, which can be hundreds of feet down, because boats have to get under most bridges, it's like hitting concrete. And legs are broken, back is broken, and many people die from that attempt at suicide. But sometimes they don't. And then they're in traction the rest of their life. So this individual who looked forward to me coming to the Overland Post Office, I would always bring packages that I would want mailed. And I did have conversations with some of the individuals, but I can't remember this specific person because this happens all the time. I'm talking to my wife recently in a grocery store and a woman comes up that I had never met and she says, are you Tom Baker on KFUO? And I said, yes. She said, well, I recognize your voice. So now when I'm in a grocery store with my wife and I need cereal, I'll say, Louise, get me some cereal. (laughs) No, I I don't change my voice, (laughs) but... A lot of times it's happened. I was eating at one of my favorite restaurants. It's a Chinese takeout. And I was with three other pastors, in fact. We were at a table. And next to us, there was a little boy who got out of his chair, came over, and he asked whether I was on KFUO. Now, his parents were sitting with him. They were probably listening and heard me talking. And so they were very kind of surprised to hear my voice because they recognized it. You just don't know who is listening. And particularly when you're speaking with other pastors, I can assure you 
that we were talking about some kind of theology. I'm not even sure what the subject was, but pastors don't usually go and eat at a buffet without speaking about something going on in the church. So appreciate this email. Can't remember the specific day because this month is now 25 years that I have been on KFUO. And so we appreciate those of you who are able to send a check to continue to support us on KFUO. And and by the way, those who have sent checks recently, we really appreciated that. We were a little behind. We're just about caught up now. Plus, you will be receiving a new newsletter that we're going to be putting out on law and gospel. It should come out, we're planning on four times a year, and each time it will give a summary of what we are doing, and there will also be an article in it about law and gospel. The newsletter is free. If you're at all interested in receiving it, email me with your home address on it. Email to lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com. Or you can send it to me by mail, particularly with a check that would be helpful, made out to law and gospel, and then post office box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. And we'll really appreciate that. So Monday, we'll continue with taking a look during this Lenten season for the next Sunday in Lent, choosing one of the Bible passages to help you come to a greater understanding of the necessity of making a distinction between law and gospel. I'm Tom Baker. Again, thanks for listening. And every morning, 9.30, Monday to Friday, you can hear me And you'll hear more about the programming we're doing when you get the newsletter. Thanks again so much. God bless you. And listen again to how you can send us a newsletter or an envelope with a check. I'm Tom Baker. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your checkout to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.